don't know about you, but I have a hard time thinking about the creator of the universe, the one who brought everything into being that is, being thirsty. And yet as we think about the words of Christ from the cross and we understand the things that he had to say and the things that he experienced there, one of those words that came out so powerfully as far as what the meaning and the significance of it is, is that word from the cross in which he said, I thirst. Simple words, only a couple of words, except that he said them for a very real reason. And I think you and I need to hear and understand what he was talking about as we deal with that and structure that. I don't know if you've ever been really thirsty before. I mean, just really so thirsty that your lips have swollen and cracked and you can't even speak, you can't swallow because the aridness of your throat and your nose and your mouth is so dry that you can't even be, get a bit of to swallow or the things that would go on. You're just aching, you're, you're, you're trusting for air even because it's so hard to be able to get that thirst quenched. But our Savior did. He thirsted for you and for me. He experienced that for one reason, and that was his love that he had for you, the love that he had for me, as he put himself in that place of dying for our sins, that we ourselves might never have to be a people who thirsted ever again in the things that are part of that. And so in John chapter 19, verses 28 and 29, just want to read those that word and, and the commentary that goes with it in those two verses and share that and then just take a little bit of time talking about what it means. What was the significance of those words when Jesus said, I thirst? Would you stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word and allow it to speak to us this morning? John 19, 28 is the main verse, but I'm going to go ahead and read 29 as well so that we understand a couple of things about it. Jesus says, after this, Jesus said, knowing that all the things that had already been accomplished to fulfill the scripture, he said, I am thirsty, or I thirst. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, I know there's nothing that I can say that can even begin to help us to get into the frame of mind, of heart, of soul that was going on between God and, and the, His Son there upon the cross and all that was happening as Jesus had been beaten and all the things He had gone through and all the things that had happened to Him for one reason, and that was because He loved me so very much that He didn't want me or any of these people to ever experience the condemnation of God in an eternal place that had been prepared for Satan. And so, God, you put yourself upon a cross in Jesus Christ after being beaten, after being just terrified with all the accusations and all the things that have been done, humiliated before a world, hanging there in the bitter heat and the loss of blood and the dehydration that we can't even begin to imagine. Those very simple words, I thirst. Help us to see the impact that they ought to have upon our own lives and understand all that was going on in the simplicity of that statement. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, as we think about Christ hanging there upon the cross and the suffering that he had dealt with, obviously we can never begin to fathom that or understand all that was involved. He certainly wasn't the only person that had ever been crucified. Maybe he had been beaten more than some or whatever the case, but he was the God who has given himself for us, taking that which for us upon the cross. So why did he say, I thirst? What was the significance of that? Well, obviously, there's just the simple physical idea that he was thirsty. 
He'd been through a lot. He was dehydrated and things that were going on. But one of the things that we need to understand about that is one of the statements of God's word that helps us to be reminded that Jesus Christ was fully man. He's also fully God. He's God-man. He's 100% God, 100% man. We don't always have too much trouble believing that he's God, but sometimes we have a hard time believing that God would become a man. That God would actually put flesh on and dwell among us and, and live in the same way that you and I lived. There's all kinds of theories that people have tried to put out because they don't want to accept that reality. They've talked about the fact that uh, he really wasn't a man uh, at all. It was just some kind of a story that was put out there. There's stories about the fact that Jesus himself didn't come until his baptism and then he inhabited the person that was here and then at the cruc- right before he died on the cross, he left and so he didn't ever actually die. And all kinds of other things were said. But the Bible says in the book of John chapter 1 and verse 14 that the word became flesh. He was human. He did something and became something that he had never been before. He became a man. God put on flesh and dwelt upon this earth. He didn't lose his deity. He didn't put aside his godness. He put aside the glory that would be revealed for a temporary time. But he was still just as much God as he had ever been God. But he became a man. And as a man, the Bible says that there upon the cross, beaten, thirsty, dehydrated, hurting, dying for you and for me, he said simply those words, I thirst. I thirst. Because he was human. Because he was a person just like you and I who had experienced all the things that were going on. He had come to this earth to be able to experience, the Bible tells us, that he would be able to know everything that we know. That he would experience the temptations that we had, the life that we had, the struggles that we had, all that we had. So he could be identified with us so that one day he would be able to be our high priest. They would be able to say, I have suffered everything that you've suffered. I've dealt in the things that you've dealt with. I've been where you are. I understand the pain of your heart. I understand the questions of your mind. I understand the struggles of your faith. I understand what you deal with day in and day out in your life. I put myself in that place so that I might be able, and as an example of that in a great and a powerful way, as he hung up on the cross in his humanity, he says, I thirst. What was he thirsting for? Well, there's all kinds of possibilities that you and I might think about. I think one commentator that I I really appreciated what he said talked about the fact that his thirst came from a very deep pain and hunger of thirst that came from the heat of God's wrath being poured out upon him as he suffered. Because, see, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ, when he was on the cross, became sin. So that every bit of God's wrath against sin would be poured out on him. And he would pay a price that he didn't deserve to pay, but he would pay that price for us. The Bible says the soul that sins must die. The wages of sin is death. That's the end result. When we sin, we have the right, we deserve everything points to the fact that we ought to die and die eternally. And there's nothing that you can do, nothing that I can do about that, but, but God in Christ took the wrath of God himself as he became sin. And in bearing the wrath of God, this author says he he had a deep 
thirst that was there. I think maybe one of the thirsts that he was experiencing, one of the things that was there was his thirst for fellowship with his father. You see, he had never been out of fellowship with his father before. And in that moment, somehow, and I can't explain it, I don't understand it in any way at all, but in some manner, God made his own son to be sin. And in that moment in which he was sin, and God's wrath was poured out upon him, there was a separation in that one tiny moment in which they were separated, and he thirsted for that relationship with God to be back to what it was. I think he thirsted to be back again in the heaven to where he had had all the glory, where all the fellowship was there. He had prayed, you'll remember in John 17, God restore unto me the glory that I once had with you and the things that was there as he looked toward that moment when he would be restored to back in the fellowship when all that he was would be all back in fullness and the glory of God and the things that were there. I think maybe there was a thirst for you and a thirst for me that that which he was doing upon the cross would be fulfilled. He was dying for you. He was dying for me. He wanted us to be saved. He wanted us to be forgiven. He wanted us to be right with His Father. He had a longing in His heart that you and I would know the Father in salvation and that we would walk forever in the freedom of our sins and be forever know that we were the very children of God. And He thirsted for that. And I think He still thirsts because the word that He uses here in the Bible is a word that is a continuation. It wasn't just, I'm thirsty for a moment. But I continue to thirst. And I thirst because of the things that are going on as we're part of it, as we see and as we understand. But the scripture says also that he spoke those words, even as he understood that everything the scripture had said to be fulfilled was being fulfilled in him. In the words of the prophet, in the Psalm chapter 22, in the Psalm chapter 69, Words were printed thousand years before Christ ever made his appearance upon the face of the earth that there would be a moment that he would cry out from his soul, I thirst. And so he says, in order that the scripture might be fulfilled, in order that God's promises might be shown to be true in all that they are, I, he spoke those words, I thirst before a lost, to a lost world that was there and to all of us as we think about it. You know, in Psalm 22 alone, there's at least eight prophecies of the Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled in Jesus. Throughout the Old Testament, there are so many prophecies that point to the Messiah that are fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ and Him only. None other person has ever or ever will be able to fulfill even a partial part of the list of those prophecies. But He has fulfilled every one of them. And the, pro the possibility of that happening, the probability of that happening, is so extensive that mankind can't even begin to put his head around the fact of how big the number would be of the odds of one man being able to fulfill every single prophecy that was predicted about him and yet Jesus Christ did perfectly and exactly in every way I fulfill the scripture that he's saying there as he looked at it, I thirst and there's a, a side moment there that we look at I, I think that maybe we miss sometimes in, as, when, as I read 29, verse 29 as well it says they dipped this Sour wine, which was part of what the prophecy said in Psalms, that it would be sour wine that he would be given a drink of. But they dipped it with a branch of hyssop. Why does that matter? Well, because, you see, hyssop was what God told the children of Israel when they were getting ready to put the blood over the door, you remember, at the Passover? It was a hyssop branch he told them to use to spread the blood, to cover them, to protect them from the wrath of God that was going to pass by that death angel. Again, with hyssop, we are just symbolically, it has no physical meaning, it's just symbolically the understanding that it was what was used in a, in a sense to spread, to 
bring about the blood of Christ as he was separated. It just reminds us that it's God's blood, it's God's work. Everything fits together exactly as God said. Sometimes when you have a little bit of time, go back and read Psalm 22 and go back and read some of these others and just see how exactly, read Isaiah 53, and just see how exactly Jesus Christ fits into that. He is God. He is God's son, the man who came in the fullness of God to be able to be our sacrifice. See, I could die for you, but it wouldn't mean anything because I'm a sinner. Only God could die and have an impact upon my life to bring salvation because he never knew sin, because he never lived under the bondage of sin. He was tempted, but he never yielded. He never gave in. Only God's blood is sufficient to cover us for our sins. And so we see and understand that as he cries out for that, he's fulfilling scripture. He's crying out, I think, in thirst for the agony that he's in, obviously physically, for the agony that he's in spiritually as he's separated in that moment in the judgment of God and all that was going on. And he's providing for us in that that death upon the cross as he gives himself for us. He's providing for us a drink that will satisfy our thirst. We've seen that through the hymns this morning that we've sung over several of them talking about being thirsty and having that thirst quenched as we looked at it, as we see that. We, we saw it from the woman on the well, that, uh, the well that we sang in that song a moment in John chapter 4 when he met her at the well and offered her a drink from which she would never be thirsty again. We see it in John chapter 7 when we find him speaking to a crowd there in Jerusalem and he tells them if they're thirsty, if they would come to him and take a drink, they would never be thirsty again. We see it as the very last invitation of the Bible. In, John, in Revelation chapter 22, when the Spirit and the bride say, Come, anybody who is thirsty, come, and let anyone who is a thirst come and take of the water of life freely. See, he, he offers us a drink that satisfies the very depths of our soul. He comes to us in giving himself upon the cross of Calvary. In his thirst, he made it possible for you and for me to never be thirsty again for the things of God, to be satisfied for all eternity because we could take a drink of living water and that living water could well up in the very springs of our soul and bring us life everlasting and be a source by which we could share with other people that they too might be invited and able to take a drink of that living water that changes things forever that's why he died that's why he was on the cross and in that cry of I thirst he's saying to us my thirst makes it possible for your thirst to be quenched to be satisfied to be fixed forever and ever so that we never have to thirst again we never have to long after those things because they can be satisfied, completely fulfilled in Christ. See, I, I know you have and I have. There's been times when be doing something and, and just because maybe it's hot and it's windy, you can take a drink and it feels so good at the moment, but in just a little bit, I need another drink. It's not long before you need another drink because you just can't seem to get enough. But one day as a little child... The Spirit of the living God came into my heart and gave me a drink of water, living water. And I've never thirsted again. I've never been thirsty because God met that need in my life. So he forgave me of my sin. And as he gave me a home that was mine eternally through Jesus Christ and being a part of it, that's what he's saying when he says, I thirst. I 
here on the cross, I am dying. I have placed myself here willingly. I put myself in this place for one reason and one reason only. I love you so much that whatever it takes, whatever price I have to pay, whatever is needed, I will do that in order that you might have life and have it everlastingly. I thirst because I long for you to be able to have a drink. I long for you to be able to be forgiven of your sins, to be restored in your relationship with my Father. My thirst is for you. See, that's what he was saying. That I have in my heart, what I feel in my life, what the pain that I'm dealing with, the, the agony of my soul and my heart and my body and all that I am dealing with in this moment is all for one reason. You, 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 don't you understand how much I love you? That's what it means when I say I thirst. That's exactly what he was saying upon the cross. I thirst. I love you. I long for you to be a part of all that's going on and be quenched of that. Can you imagine even as the song that was played, he made the rivers and yet he thirsted. Made the oceans and the seas and the lakes. All the water that there is, is because he made it. And yet he was thirsty for me and for you. As we look and as we understand the reality of all that was going on and seeing and doing this. Revelation that I mentioned. The bride and the spirit say come and drink of the water freely. We can't miss that. See, you and I could never have purchased the drink that we needed to quench our soul. We would have never been able. We're paupers. We have nothing to offer, nothing that we could ever reach and achieve that drink. But it doesn't cost us anything because it cost him everything. And he paid the price. He gave everything necessary so that he can invite you and he can invite me, those who have no means of paying. Father, I I, I don't have what is necessary. I I can't give you what I need to purchase that drink that I need for my soul. I I can't purchase that which I need for my righteousness. I, I have nothing that I can offer to you. Don't worry, my child. My son thirsted upon a cross that you might have a drink forever without cost. Without cost. See, it doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't cost me anything. It costs God everything for us to have salvation, for us to be able to be God's people, for us to be able to know that we've been forgiven, that we've been invited into the very household of God, that we one day will stand in his presence face to face and never again be separated because of what he did. Because he thirsted, we never have to. So what does that mean for you and for me and as we look at it and as we think about it and closing it down? Well, for, obviously for those who might be here or watching by any other means who never truly have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've never trusted Him and Him alone for your salvation and, and said, I need a Savior. I know I'm a sinner. I know my life, my soul, my spirit, my very being is parched and dry because I cannot save myself. I cannot satisfy myself. I cannot meet the longings of my heart because I'm a sinner. But the Jesus says to you, 
I extend to you through my thirst that everlasting water, that living water that will satisfy your heart. And if you will take but a drink of my grace, of my forgiveness, you can be forgiven. And you can become a child of God and you can know forever that you'll never thirst again. And so for those who've never taken that drink, the invitation this morning is to take it. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything except to admit that you need it, that you're thirsty. And for those of us who know Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior of our life, what does it say to us? Well, I think it says what Jesus tried to teach people about what it means to be citizens of the kingdom in, in the Matthew Sermon on the Mount and the things that are going there. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. It, it says to you and it says to me that there needs to be within us that continual longing to be the people God wants us to be. To live the way God wants us to live. To be able to keep sharing that water with someone else. And someone else. And someone else. We need to keep longing for the things to be the people God wants us to be. Keep striving to live out the faith that he's placed within our hearts. I don't understand, I, I can't begin to explain or comprehend it, make it clear to you in any way how God can hang up on a cross and cry out, I thirst. Except that I know in the very depths of my being that he did that for me. cry of God through Christ Jesus when he says I thirst is a cry I believe for fellowship with you, fellowship with me in oneness with his father for all eternity. Would you pray with me? Father this morning again I know that nothing that I have said is new to anyone and nothing that I've said is, is even close to being able to express the the agony that Jesus Christ dealt with and all that was going on between you and him in those moments as he gave his life for us, as he became my sin and the sin of all people of all time upon that cross and you poured out that judgment that was my judgment that I deserve, that wrath that no one else but me should have ever had to experience because it's my sin, not his. But he took it upon himself and his great, great thirst there upon the cross, his thirst for fellowship with his father in that separation, his thirst for the beatings that he had been in, the dehydration that he was there, and just the physical urgency of the need that was there, his thirst so great that it cannot be explained in any way by mankind in the words that we have at our disposal. But God, you thirsted for us. You did that for us. That we might be able to always have available to us the water of life, forgiveness, wholeness. And Father, I pray this morning that if there's anyone in this room, anyone listening in that has never truly put their faith in Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about going to church or being a member of a church or doing the things that church folks do. I'm talking about personally with an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ saying, I am a sinner. And I need a Savior. 
that I believe Jesus Christ died for my sins upon the cross and I believe he rose from the dead. And I believe if I will accept what he did in my behalf and seek his lordship in my life, his saviorhood in my life, that he will save me and make me his child. And right now I call upon him to do that. Father, I pray no one would miss that. No one would leave this earth without Christ because we know what awaits. The Bible tells us very clearly that those who miss God, those who refuse to take Christ at his word, even as we see the illustration of the rich man in Lazarus, the rich man just crying out, wishing could just a drop of water, just a drop of water. That's the outcome for those without Christ. But that's not necessary because anyone who comes to Christ, anyone who calls upon the name of Christ, anyone who will take the drink that is offered, never need thirst again. God, help us who know you, who have taken that drink, to be faithful in all that we do to make sure others have the opportunity to know there is a drink free of cost that can satisfy the longings of their heart for all time. So in these moments of invitation, Father, they're your moments, they're your time. And we just ask that you would work in the hearts of all those who are listening in some form or another. And if there's someone who needs to respond to that call to come, to come, come take a drink. May they do so even now in these moments. I pray in Christ's name.